we are going through uh, someone series titled grounded it is based on the book of first corinthians today someone is titled grounded in god's wisdom ah let us read the first uh, chapter verse 18 then we'll also read verse 31 If you have your Bible please uh, turn there with me it reads for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God verse 31 therefore as it is written let the one who boasts boast in the Lord I have four subheadings and uh, they are the need for affirmation as you can see them on the screen i'll start with the first one the need for affirmation and approval you will notice that quite a good portion of chapter 1 of 1 corinthians paul spends a good portion of it affirming and approving the believers in corinth How does he manage to affirm and approve a people going through crisis the way he does? The answer is given to us in chapter 1 from verse 2 all the way to 4. It says in verse 2 to the church of God. Paul is aware that these people belong to God. That makes a difference if you have to affirm and approve people because if you think they belong to you then what you want to do is actually or what you do most of the time is to make them do what you want but if you know that they belong to God then you don't do that in fact you 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 thank God for them because you know it's a gift from God that he's just given them to you he's also aware that God is doing a very special work of sanctification in them as you can see in verse 2 He's also aware in verse 2 again that they are being transformed into the image of Christ. They are created for a special purpose. And as you see in verse 4, Paul is always praying for them. If you really want to affirm people and you want to approve them, pray for them. Because when you pray for people, then what happens is you remember them. But interestingly Paul says he always thanks God for them. His prayer for them is that one of gratitude. He's so grateful for them. He thanks the Lord. Before he even talks to them he thanks the Lord. And then we see secondly or the second last that they he he notices that they have been enriched in every way for special purposes he, he realizes that god has a very special purpose for these people in life and so he's able to affirm them and approve them and then he knows that he who began a good work in these people will complete that is the secret to affirmation thanking god for people if you don't thank god for people most of the time you may not even appreciate what they are doing or even appreciate what god is doing in their lives and we all need affirmation we all need approval 
And if God has put people around you and you're not approving them and you're not affirming them, then you're missing out on something because it is a need that God put in us as human beings. Maybe you have a family around you, you have friends, you have colleagues. You may want to ask yourself this week, when was the last time you affirmed somebody? And maybe you may just want to pick up a few names this week to affirm them. The second subheading is the truth of affirmation and approval. Affirmation is not flattery. Paul calls out and points out the shortcomings of the believers in Corinth. He tells them three things. One, he tells them that you are drifting and losing your focus from Jesus Christ. Who gives you identity? Who defines you? You're beginning to lose that. And as a result of losing your focus on Jesus Christ, you're beginning to lower your self-esteem, your self-worth. And this, they can see, they are no longer focusing on Jesus Christ. They have so lowered their self-worth that they are defining themselves by their association to the servants of Christ. Instead of finding their identity in God, they are finding their identity in the servants of God. That is an indication that they are losing their focus from Jesus Christ. And as a result, what is happening because of this lowered self-esteem, they have become toxic. This always happens. When you lose your self-esteem, you begin to pollute your relationships. You begin to poison relationships around you. Because you begin to relate with people not so much as to serve them, but to use them. You begin to ask, how can I profit from this person? How can I profit from this person's position? He's an apostle. Yes, he's an orator. Yes, I want to benefit from him. How can I boost my fragile ego, my, my low self-esteem? How can I build myself up at your expense? You begin to be desperate to prove yourself. Hence, unhealthy competitions and quarrels that Paul points out. They are desperate for recognition and affirmation from people as an end in itself. In Romans chapter 1 and 2, Paul tells us that every part of our being has been designed and created to hear God himself tell us, well done, you good and faithful servant. It is a void, a place, a space, a hole that God has put there that only he can fulfill. And we cannot get that from people. Because that is the ultimate end of us to hear from God himself saying, well done, you good and faithful servant. So, how can these people in Corinth get back to the right place of affirmation and approval? The only place Paul tells them that they can do that, the place of affirmation and approval, my third subheading, is at the cross. Because from a human base, man is fallen. And then in all his wisdom and all his power, he cannot find God. 
if 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 you want to find something out of something about a tree you will actually go to it and do some research and probably find out about it if you want to find out about rats you can go chase after them and do some research and find out about it but if you want to find god the only one who can give us an affirmation how can you get him there's no way you can go it's only god who can reveal himself to us and paul is telling us that god has actually revealed himself to us on the cross with all the grace with all the love it is on the cross that we see him coming and taking all our judgments and all our punishments that we deserve and giving us all his righteousness and accepting us as we are he takes our, our death and gives us his life I was reading some commentator who was saying that on that cross when Jesus was crying out and saying my god my god why have you forsaken me he probably heard god telling him audibly that time he had all the sins of the world on him and he probably heard god telling him depart from me and so he cries out in his mother tongue in aramaic eloi eloi rama sabachthani My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we are accepted. Because right now when God looks at us, he claps and says, "Well done. You are accepted." He cuz he's given us all the rewards of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 18, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing." but to us who are being saved it is the power of god the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god and then verse 24 says but to those whom god has called both jews and greeks christ the power of god and the wisdom of god it is on the cross that we see god's wisdom and god's power There was a time when Jesus just before he was crucified he asked his disciples who do people say I am and they gave all sorts of answers they said great teacher great prophet and so on and then Peter came and, and he, then he asked his disciples who who do you say I am then Peter stood up and he said you are the messiah the son of the living god and Jesus turns to him and he tells him This has been revealed to you by God himself. And then immediately in in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13 to 26 immediately after he says this he begins to talk about the cross. He begins to talk about how he will go to the cross and how he will die on the cross. Peter pulls him aside and he tells him never. You should never do that. That cannot happen. He's, he and and at this stage Jesus rebukes him. He turns to him and says, "Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns." When Christ mentioned the cross, Peter couldn't take it. He did not understand it. He almost missed the wisdom and the power of god 
He wanted to stop Jesus from the cross. And Jesus tells him the reason you are doing that is because the concerns are about you. They are about how you will feel, how you will, how your image will come out when you associate yourself with a cross, with the embarrassment of a cross. But also Peter probably was thinking, how can God do such a thing? Go to the cross. And he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's a very powerful statement. Immediately after telling him, God has revealed this to you, he tells him, get behind me, Satan. You see, if Peter would have missed the cross, if Peter would have gotten his teaching on the cross wrong, he would have missed out on everything. He would have missed out on life. He would have missed out on affirmation and approval because it's on the cross that all that took place. Later on, just before he was crucified, Jesus calls Peter aside and he tells him, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Jesus opens the curtains to show us what's happening in the background. Satan wants everyone to miss the message of the cross because it is at the cross that we have the wisdom and the power of God. It's at the cross that we are accepted. It's at the cross that our sins are all forgiven. Later on, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul tells us that the God of this age, that is Satan, he has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they may not see the cross. They may not see the wisdom of God on the cross. That they may not see the power of God on the cross. Judas actually missed out completely on the cross. And he was so angry, he was so disappointed, he was such a, such a loss that he just decided altogether, let me sell this Messiah. And he did. But he ended up perishing. And that is why it says, the cross for those who miss it, they are perishing. But for us who receive it, and for us who understand it, is the power and the wisdom of God for our salvation. No wonder between 30 to 50% of the Gospels are about the last week of Jesus on this earth. Because Jesus came specifically to go to the cross. For on the cross is the power and the wisdom of God. Peter later on, Jesus told him, I have prayed for you and when you turn back, encourage the brothers. And I think even that's why Paul was able to affirm the church in Corinth. Because he had experienced the encouragement of God. He had experienced the strengthening of God through the cross. When he was running to kill all the Christians in religion, God turned him around and he gave him life. And that is why he takes the trouble. I want to encourage believers this week that we take it upon ourselves to affirm and approve people, especially in this time of crisis. Just like Paul did. Some of you may say, it is a bit expensive. I don't have money to use for, um, for my WhatsApp or for my SMS. But think about Paul. Paul is writing this letter from Ephesus. And then he, writing letters those days was expensive. In fact, I think it's Sosthenes now who takes the time to write it as Paul tells him what to do. And then they have to give the letter to Timothy to take it all the way to Corinth. And that those days by ship, and it took months just to get to where he was going. It was an expensive process that Paul undertakes to ensure he affirms and approves fellow believers. Has the Lord prayed for you 
Do you understand what the Lord has done for you on the cross? Have you turned around like Peter did? And are you affirming and approving the believers, especially during this time? Are you taking time to affirm if you have children, to affirm your children? If you have a spouse, are you taking time to pray for them and affirm them like Paul did? Praying for them with thanksgiving and appreciating what they have done. Because thanksgiving is an attitude. If you don't have it, you miss out all the good things that people are doing. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23 tells us. It says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. The Jews, at this particular time, many of them were having an inferiority complex because they were colonized. They were in a crisis. They had been looking to God to send a Messiah to conquer all the Roman oppression and to do miracles and to remove all the oppressions. They wanted an immediate solution to their problems. They could not see God at work through this Jesus. They wanted signs in the, in the skies, as the prophets had said. They expected the Messiah to defeat the Romans. Instead, the Romans defeated or killed the Messiah, or the so-called the Messiah to them. And so they, they decided this thing of the cross, we don't want to, anything to do with it. But in that process, they missed out the work of God because they wanted immediate solutions. They had this inferiority complex. When you have an inferiority complex, you can actually miss out on the work of the cross because you sometimes feel you're not worth it or if you feel you're worth it, you want immediate miracles or you want immediate solution. And I know many people who've been praying during this period of COVID and they're not seeing solutions immediately and they have just decided God is no longer working. But I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, in that time of what was looking like weaknesses, to the Jewish people, God was at work. That was the wisdom of God. That was the power of God. And in this time, I'm telling you, the power and the wisdom of God is at work, not only in this country, but around the world. And this is a God you can trust. The Greeks, on the other hand, they had this superiority complex. They wanted wisdom. They wanted, they wanted philosophy. How could an obscure Jewish crucified in an obscure place provide the only way of salvation for sinners. That was absurd. And what happened is they missed the cross. It would have been very embarrassing for a Greek person to associate with such a person. Because to associate with people of high rank and people who've done great things was what uh, the, Jew the Greeks did. And here they missed out on salvation because they were too embarrassed to associate themselves with the cross. And my prayer that is that you will not miss the cross by fear of associating yourself with Jesus. Because really at the end of the day, there are only two pairs of eyes whose opinion counts at the end of it all. Because if we receive Jesus Christ and accept him as our Lord and Savior, God looks at us and he sees absolute beauty. He sees no condemnation. He affirms us and he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. His affirmation is far much better than that of that you'll ever receive from anybody else. It's far much better than that which you have to receive even from Paul. Because he's God. He's the one who's created us to fulfill that place. And so Paul says, and this is the fourth subheading, which is the final. He says that the boast, this is titled the boast of affirmation and approval. Paul says that he will boast in the cross. What is a boast? It is basically saying 
we have what it takes. When you boast, this is a war term. He's saying, I have what it takes. Or if you're going for sports, you say, we have what it takes. It is what validates you. It gives you strength and confidence. It is your identity. A good place to see this in the Bible is where Goliath is about to fight with David. And the Israelites are on this side and the Philistines are on this side. And so Goliath comes and boasts about what he has. He boasts about his gods. He boasts about how he will feed David to the birds. He boasts about his spears, about his, his, his swords and shields. And, and, and then when David comes in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, it is said that David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David boasts in the name of the Lord. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And so Paul is saying here that I have a boast. I have that which validates me. And that which validates me is the cross. I have that which gives me strength. I have that which gives me confidence, which gives me assurance as I face the future. And that is the strength. Of, that is the boast that I have. And therefore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, it says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of Jesus. Let me never boast in anything else. Let me never find my confidence in anything else. Let me never find my strength in anything else except in the cross of Christ where I am validated, where I am affirmed, where I am approved. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Whatever the world does, does not matter right now. Jeremiah, this is not just New Testament, Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23, this is what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says. Let the wise boast, let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in this I delight, declares the Lord. And my prayer today is that no one is sitting somewhere listening to us today, boasting in their own wisdom, boasting in their own strength, or boasting in their own riches and abilities. But let us boast in the Lord. And finally, look at these two verses. Paul speaking again in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. It says, But let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. He's saying it is at the cross or it's in the Lord that God approves us. It's where he commends us. It's where he accepts us. You cannot do anything to be accepted by God. But on the cross we are accepted by God. We are born again. When, when, Nicodemus, when Jesus met Nicodemus, he, he told him you must be born again. He didn't say Nicodemus you are a good man and you, you are so religious and you've been doing many nice things and, and, and you are at 75 in your righteousness and inability to reach heaven. You still only have 25%. The others maybe are at 15%. He didn't say that. He told Nicodemus you must be born again because there is nothing you can do however nice until you come to the cross. No wonder when Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus and jo Joseph of Arimathea, they went to Pilate to ask to take the body of Jesus for burial. 
Because at the cross, Nicodemus realized what it means to be born again finally. You know, when you give birth, the child who is born doesn't know anything about pain. It is the mother. On the cross, our God felt all the pain. Jesus felt all the pain. But we are born as a result, born again as a result of his work. But when a child is born, they put a tag on the child's hand. And that tag bears the name of the parent. When you come to the cross and you get born again, you get a new identity in Jesus Christ. Because that is the place where we are affirmed. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and also verse 11, Paul, speaking to the Romans, he says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into, into this grace, which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory. And verse 11, he says, Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It is at the cross that we get peace with God, that we are reconciled with God. My brothers and sisters, some of you may say, we think we are okay, we don't need the cross. We are okay because we've been helping people. We are okay because we are beautiful. We are okay because we are successful. We are okay because we are moral. But these things will never save you. It's only on the cross that God will commend you. And so I want to ask Pastor Mariga as he prays this closing prayer, as the worship team closes for us, that you'll come to the cross. And for those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll have a boast today. That you will know where you get your identity, where you get your validation. And that today when you walk out in those gates, your head will be lifted high. May the Lord bless you today. Let us just, in closing prayer, worship together as you reflect on these things.